I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. In this video class, our continuing study of the Sermon on the Mount, and I'd like to read now from Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 21 over through verse 26. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the paragraph we're planning to study in this video, but first I think there is something I should go over with you to sort of make sure we are all on the same page. We must be sure we understand what's happening here in Matthew 5 from verse 21 to the end of the chapter. What's happening is Jesus is not simply explaining the law of Moses. He doesn't quote Moses, and he doesn't simply quote from the Old Testament. Here's the key. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. So he isn't just explaining the law of Moses. This is not a contrast between the old law and the new law. I understand that that's what a lot of people believe about the passage. I believe there's more happening here. For one thing, down in verse 43, Jesus answers the teaching that said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but the old law never taught people to hate their enemies. What's happening in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is not just a contrast between the old law and the new. This is a contrast between the teachings and interpretations of the scribes and Pharisees and Christ's standard. This is an exposure of the inadequacy and hollowness of the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. And this section of the Lord's Sermon explains and highlights a religion or a righteousness that begins in the heart. So I put a chart together a number of years ago. There are six blocks of instruction here. And in each paragraph, we find a contrast between the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees and the teaching of Christ. 
The theme of this section is actually back in verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The righteousness the scribes and Pharisees maintained involved those men quoting from the law of Moses, but they didn't stop there. That was just their starting place. Their emphasis was on their own interpretations, their own rituals and traditions. Jesus swept aside all that human tradition that didn't come from the Father, and all those shallow, carnal interpretations, and he told the people his law, the law in his kingdom. You see what I'm saying? All right. Concerning our passage we've read, Matthew 5, 21 down through verse 26. Look at that phrase, you have heard that it was said to those of old. As I've just explained, I believe Jesus is talking about what had been taught in the past. The scribes and Pharisees quoted from the law, then they taught their applications and their interpretations. These men, the teachers of the Jews, saw it as their duty to supply the people with instruction, but they went beyond the duty of telling people what God's word said. They added their own interpretations and traditions and rituals, and they gradually developed their own form of righteousness, and they spoon-fed this to the rank-and-file Jews. I believe that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. All right. God's command was thou shalt not murder. You shall not murder. Indeed, that was written in the law, and it has always been against the will of God to murder. So those of old had listened to this teaching. The scribes and Pharisees quoted the law, you shall not murder, but they restricted that law to the external act of homicide and their emphasis was on the consequence of the external act. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. This is what the scribes and Pharisees said. The problem is, when you've said this, you really haven't said all that needs to be said about murder. See, the external act of murder is wrong, and there is the threat of the danger of judgment, yes. But there is another vital part of this that the scribes and Pharisees did not emphasize. Murder is never just an action. The act of murder is an act, but there's something else to be accounted for. The character of the murderer. Jesus is teaching here that not only the act, but the attitude of the actor must be accounted for. 
You see the contrast? The scribes and Pharisees were concerned with the act itself and the danger of the act. This was their teaching. This was their righteousness. Jesus insists that not only the act of homicide, but the attitude that's behind it must be taken into account. You see, there is abundant historical evidence that the scribes and Pharisees were not that concerned about things like hatred and anger and attitude, so long as it didn't lead to overt acts of violence. They regarded anger and hatred as minor faults, no big deal. All they said was, be careful about killing people because there are legal consequences. Jesus said, you've got to start on the inside, in the heart. You've got to teach against the bitter anger and hatred that led to the act of murder. Even in Old Testament times under the law, the attitude that led to sinful acts was displeasing to God. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, Proverbs 4.23. That was not, however, the emphasis of the scribes and Pharisees. Verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. An alternative translation in the New King James, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. It may help if we look at this graphically or visually, so I've prepared this chart. Anger without cause puts you in danger of judgment, saying reka, raka, insult, that's in danger of the council. Then you crank that up and say, you fool, in danger of hellfire. Here's what occurs to me. The passion of anger and bitterness toward people is something that accelerates. Jesus wants people to see the process where unjustified anger and animosity propels us into more and more trouble. There is anger with a brother without a cause that puts us in danger. Then when that anger expresses itself with an insult, rakah, you are propelled into deeper trouble. Then when that anger isn't controlled and resolved, when it isn't dealt with, and you go even further and utter the insult, you fool, you have multiplied the trouble even more. You are in danger of hell fire. What I see here is, instead of just teaching against the act of murder, Jesus says we've got to deal with the anger that causes the act. We've got to realize the passion of anger, the bitterness toward people. That's something that can accelerate and get us into more and more trouble. Jesus wants us to see the inner process. The faulty attitudes that gradually lead to the act of homicide. He goes much deeper than the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. The strong implication here is, as stated in the Old Testament, in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence. 
I know that there is some interest in these words, and so I'll say a little about that. The reason I didn't jump right into those words is the thing to do first is to inquire what is the main point. The main point here is Jesus says what process inside leads to the outward act of murder. But we'll take a look at these words. Reka is an almost untranslatable word because it describes a tone of voice more than anything else. And there is no good English word that is the same, identical to reka. The accent is on contempt. William Barclay says, to call a man reka was to call him a brainless idiot, a silly fool, an empty-headed blunderer. It is the word of one who despises another with an arrogant contempt. So reka is just an insult given with contempt, and in the tone of voice that contempt and hatred emerges. In the process Jesus gives in verse 22, he says that's another step into trouble. The other word is fool. Now, Jesus and the apostles use the word fool, but they were talking about moral fools. They were describing a person caught up in some form of foolishness. They were not just insulting someone out of contempt. Here, in this context, you are not describing a condition someone is in in an effort to reach them or save them. You're simply insulting someone like we use the word moron. Uh, that was the common word when I was a boy. So murder is not only dangerous and legally wrong and takes a life, it is morally wrong, but it's not just the act, the whole process of anger inside that leads to the action. That's what Jesus is concerned about in verses 21 and 22. Jesus is going deeper than the common popular teachings of the scribes and Pharisees. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, remember what I said a moment ago. Murder is not only dangerous and legally wrong and takes a life. It is morally wrong, but not just because of the act. The whole process of anger that leads to more and more trouble and words and then contempt and then action. That's what Jesus wants us to understand. If we've, if we've got to look at the whole process and not just the external act, then what we have to do is recognize Jesus goes much deeper than the scribes and Pharisees. So if it occurs to you that there is a problem, that your brother has something against you, don't let that anger process get started. Go directly to that brother and deal with the problem before the anger 
propels you both into deeper trouble. Don't let those feelings of anger mobilize. Reverse the process by dealing with the conflict honestly, candidly, courageously. The problem is anger that intensifies, animosity that accelerates, contempt that gets out of hand. So our Lord said, agree with your adversary quickly, come to terms quickly with your accuser. What would we like for this to say? What would we sometimes like for this to say? Agree with your adversary eventually. Instead of acting out of courage and maturity to deal with misunderstanding and, and offenses uh, quickly, the problem is we just let it go. We allow those tiny seeds of anger to be planted in our hearts, and eventually the seeds of anger come up, and we say something or do something that gets us into trouble, and the trouble just gets worse. Jesus wants us to deal with these things quickly, maturely, urgently settle these things before attitudes escalate into action. If we don't deal with these matters early and urgently and unselfishly with humility, if we let things escalate, we just walk deeper and deeper into trouble. Come to terms quickly. That's the idea. Do you see the teaching of Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter while the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was shallow and inadequate. Verse 26, truly I say to you, you will never get out until you paid the last penny. Well, here's the eventual consequence. This illustrates what happens when you don't deal with anger, when you let personal animosity have its course inside you, and you wind up in trouble. Wouldn't it be easier to deal with this at its origin in the heart? Wouldn't it be easier to have the courage and humility to sit down and talk to the person, to reconcile before anger escalates, to settle the matter before you wind up in court and then in jail? Here's the reading from the Christian Standard Bible. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says you moron will be subject to hell fire. So, if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him. And your adversary or your adversary will hand you over to the judge, the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. I assure you, you will never get out of there until you've paid the last penny. 
reminiscent of Proverbs 14.29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. There are two or three things worth pondering here. Uh, let me say, if we have time to bring these things up, two or three things I want us to take away. We have to go deeper than externals. We have to go deeper than externals. The Pharisees never really learned this or applied this. We've got to see the connection between behavior and the inner attitudes that originate behavior. Motives, attitudes, your inner disposition toward God and toward people. That's where you've got to start before getting into trouble. The potential of anger, very important. Did you know that you can be a killer without ever holding a lethal weapon or pulling a trigger? 1 John 3.15, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Next time, we're going to move into verses 30, uh, 27 through 30 to 32, a different subject, but really the same basic point. Visit our website, lhmacallan.org. Thank you for being with us.